my friends. You are listening to the Bad Blonde Radio Show on News Talk KEYS, 1440 AM and 98.7 FM, Corpus Christi, Texas. Today is a mighty good day. We are going to be talking about one of America's first and best luxury cars. We are going to be talking about the rise and fall of Packard Motor Company. But first, Chad, good morning, co-host. How are you doing? You look a little bit rough. What? You look puffy. <laughs> what, what did you do last night, sir? Ain't do nothing. I'm just impressed. You're on time-ish. I mean, by that, you walked in when the music was playing. And you remember to bring your laptop. So things are going great for Chad Shook. Batting a thousand today. You are. Way to go. It feels great. Okay. Anything else going great for you? Nope. Nope. That looks like it's going to be a pretty nice day, I think. Oh, the sun is shining. I'm here yeah. for it. Uh, I'm excited. So I'm going to go check out the DMD's Christmas lighting this evening. But also, I realized we're getting close to December 10th, which is the Coastal A's and Rods holiday car show. I think the entrance fee, it's really great. If you if you aren't already going, you should go, uh, whether you have a classic car or not. It's good for the whole family. And I think that the entry, you can find it on Facebook. The entry fee is just bringing a couple of toys. They raised, they brought they uh, thousands of toys last year. So kind of great. I'm excited about it. I'll be there with the, we're going to do a show live, which those are always fun. We did that at one of their Memorial Day you're right there. Are we? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. I may have not shared that information with you, but we're going to go live there. It's kind of weird that these older car collectors want toys. They don't want toys, silly. There's toys for tots. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. I know. World Cup. Oh, what's wow. going on in World Cup? The world is playing soccer in Qatar. Where there's it's no booze. Some, uh, there's booze, but only in booze villages. Didn't you say, did you tell me that somebody had to walk seven miles to get to a booze village? That's my personal nightmare right there. <laughs> like, they outlawed, they said that they were going to allow it at the stadiums to be sold. Uh, Budweiser is a huge sponsor of the World Cup. Yeah. I bet Budweiser's and like, what's going on here? They were. Yeah. And, uh, so they had, instead of selling at the stadiums, they had these special areas you go to to drink at before the game or whatever. Yeah. But Budweiser also figured out they're going to have a lot of beer left over. So whoever wins the World Cup gets all the leftover beer also. Are you making this up or is no, that true? I'm not. Oh, hey! <laughs> Pretty cool. So whatever uh, country ends up winning. Man, There's been think... some big upsets going on too. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Germany lost to Japan. Hey. And Argentina lost. And then the Japanese cleaned up their entire locker room. I did see that on the news. Japanese... Fans were cleaning very up tidy. the stadium. Yeah, they're very... That's great. You know, if I'm, I pay all that money to go to a World Cup, yeah. I don't know if I'm going to clean up the stadium afterwards. I'm happy I think they it's, did. I think it's very nice, but Qatar has plenty of slave labor for that. This is true. That is very true. What a, uh, what a calamitous uh, World Cup we've had. Argentina lost to Saudi Arabia also, which is pretty crazy. Oh, snap. Mm-hmm. So there have been some uh, well, pretty I large upsets. I'm going to have to go to a bar and watch a little bit of World Cup at some point. I don't know what I've been doing. Oh, it's been raining, so I haven't been leaving my house. <laughs> yeah, you can watch it on 
live stream or something, I'm sure. All right. Most of the games are during the day. I think the late game is usually like 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock our time. Cool, cool. Aiden, were you trying to tell me something, buddy, through oh, no, the milk glass? The, the USA-England tied yesterday. So. Are you on? I can't hear you. Are you on the radio? Yeah, I'm on the radio. You should be able to hear me. I still can't hear Aiden. Well, whatever it is, I'm sure it was so now important. Now you can hear me. Okay, yeah. yeah. What's up? What USA, were you trying to say? USA-England tied. Oh. So England still hasn't beaten U.S. in World Cups or in other areas, aspects of the world. You're saying this on the radio, right? Yes. Okay, good. Because sometimes you talk into my ear and you don't talk to the rest of the radio, and I just assume that they've heard. Oh. Uh, yeah. I, you know yeah, what? England, I forget that Aiden also runs a sports show. <laughs> yeah. England is uh, is better than us, and they're they're going to advance. We have to beat Iran on Tuesday to advance. Are they, what are the odds of that? I don't know. USA's favored, but well, they just gotta get it done. The USA always you you can't count on them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You don't know who's gonna show up. Yeah. All right. Well, should we dive right into our topic? I guess. The rise and fall, the lifetime of Packard Motor Car Company, one of the three P's of early American luxury, the Packard. Dun, dun, dun. Now, to begin, at one point, this was the height. If you were anybody important, you owned a Packard. All right. And to begin this story, we really need to start all the way back in 1899, when the Packard brothers, James and William, were talking crap about a Winton horseless carriage. I always like it when this kind of, when a, when a, Automobile manufacturer starts by a displeased customer, and that's where we're going with it. Now, James thought that the Winton motor car was none too impressive, all right? He didn't like the constant repair issues, and he sent recommendations over to Winton Motor Car. And frankly, the reply from the owner, from Winton, to their customer, James Packard, was, go build your own car. And with that... James Packard said, challenge accepted, and the Packard brothers built their first car in Warren, Ohio, on November the 6th, 1899. Soon, they would build 400 Packards at their factory within four years, which was considered some serious production for the time. Now, Chad, does this not remind you of a very similar tale? <laughs> when Ferruccio Lamborghini... Uh, you know, Ferruccio Lamborghini, Lamborghini tractors was where Ferruccio got his wealth and his money and his start. And I would love to own one of the early Lamborghini tractors. But Ferruccio, being a wealthy manufacturer, went ahead and purchased himself a nice sports car. He got himself a Ferrari. And he quickly realized he was none too pleased with the long and frequent service visits to Marinello, all right? He was having to make and get his Ferrari fixed, etc. And so he went ahead and he, he was like, hey, Enzo Ferrari, I'm tired of this. This is exhausting. I'm spending way too much time taking your car here. And Enzo Ferrari told him to go fly a kite. And thus, out of spite. He it, flew a kite. He flew a kite. Out of spite. Yes, into the birth of Lamborghini cars. Yeah, I think you see that more and more, or 
somebody does not getting the product they want or think yeah. that they should have. Well, I mean, uh, some. I mean, Enzo. That was not the first or the last time Enzo bit himself. You know, bit himself. I was about to say bit himself in the foot, but that is absolutely not the saying. But Enzo Ferrari just kept. He had, he was a saucy guy, um, and clearly whoever was running Winton saucy. Motor Car Company was a little bit saucy too. Um, but you know, if you're making what your own vehicles, and somebody's like, "Hey, change all this." It's like, who are you? Well, I guess he was somebody who was going to make one of the most... Of course, listening to people is never a bad thing. Yeah, well, I mean, if you have... Some people are different. If you have a poor product, then maybe you should listen to what your consumers are complaining about. But I a, guess he did A didn't. wise person would. Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. So, just like how Fruchy Lamborghini started Lamborghini cars, well, a, the same tale. I do also, though, want to point out that the Packard brothers were coming from a manufacturing background. You see, the pair had founded Packard Electric Company in 1890, producing incandescent carbon arc lamps. So back then, in the in the the birth of the automobile, the birth of the horseless carriage, there were a lot of folks that were already in the manufacturing uh, arena and thought, you know what? I think I can do this, too. And some of them did, and they did it well, you know? Uh, there are countless early car makers that started off either, what, making sewing machines, making bicycles, making motorcycles, and then ventured into car making. The good days before regulations. Yeah, indeed. That's for sure. No, I mean... Really, a lot of people could get into it back. Oh then. yeah, I mean, there was. I don't. I don't know how when many, they figured out they should do anything kind of regulations. I mean, how many cars now do you have to crash? Oh gosh, just to get your crash safety, your safety? certification. Yeah. I think it's hundreds. So yeah, that's it. Be able to eat at least crashing hundreds of your vehicles to try to if you want to sell them in the United States. That's a pretty penny right there. Yeah, knocks out <laughs> a lot of. Uh, yeah companies wanting to come into the, the unable field. to like yeah. it's not it's not attainable anymore so this uh, was a cool period of time it was it was it was indeed so this is a really random note but i had to include it because i thought it was pretty cool so the packard brothers clearly they went into business for themselves that's how they earned their money but their sister alaska p davidson and how cool is it that her name was alaska all right she was the first female fbi agent that's wild. So I kind of went on a little bit of a rabbit hole on that. And she was brought in primarily to help like catch uh, issues brought on or violations from the Mann Act. And the Mann Act was like a sex tra early sex trafficking, like in between states law. Hmm. Yeah, I know. Well, that was super interesting. The early FBI is pretty interesting in itself. Oh, yeah. Maybe we should do a whole show on that. The Hoover and all that. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Aiden told me we got a little break, guys. Y'all stay tuned to the Bad Blonde Radio Show. All right. Hello, my friends. You are back listening to the Bad Blonde Radio Show on News Talk KEYS, 1440 AM and 98.7 FM. Corpus Christi, Texas. And if you're just now tuning in, we are telling you all about... One of America's finest luxury brands that is not around anymore. 
One of the three P's of luxury in early American automobiles. The other two, or I'll just say all three, actually. <laughs> you have Packard. Pineapple. Pineapple. Oh, there we go. What else? Prussia. That. Well, are we going to put that in there? I don't know. All right. Fair enough. You got one more, Chad. Packard. Okay, there you go. All right. The three P's of automobile luxury in the early automobile arena. Packard, Peerless, and Pierce Arrow. I was going to, those were my other two I was going to. And so uh, we were kind of like, we hit on it very briefly before the break was that, you know, a lot of early automotive car maker or early car makers well they started off doing obviously doing something else and uh since we mentioned pierce arrow pierce arrow was actually like a victorian bird cage manufacturer they made fancy little bird cages before they switched over to one of the finest american automotives how about that that's pretty funny I know. Well, so it's funny. It, what's funny is, is I remember exactly where I learned that. I was in the Revs Institute, which is a car museum down in Florida, Naples, Florida. And I drove three hours. Well, technically six hours there and back from where I was working in Florida because I had to go. And it was worth the drive. Honestly, one of the best one. Of, I would say one of the best car museums in in the U.S. Well, should we get back to our timeline, guys? Yes. Okay. Yes, please. Okay. Fabulous. Okay. So we've already started. Packard really kind of was an automobile manufacturer built out of spite. You see, the Packard brothers had purchased a Winton motor car. They didn't like some of the mechanicals. They told Winton about it, and Winton said, go build your own, and thus they did. So Packard brothers start building their own cars. They build 400 Packards at their factory within four years. And, and that might not sound like a lot, but back then that was considered some serious production for the time. All right. And it was. Mm -hmm. Now, Packard's cars, this is where Packard would kind of, this is the next big part in the early Packard history. Packard's cars caught the attention of a gentleman named Henry Bourne Joy, uh, a man who was born into one of the wealthiest and oldest families of Detroit. All what right. Did, what did his family do? I don't know. Oh, come out. I could have looked that up. I should have. That's on me. I'm sorry. All right. Well, you know what? It's, it's okay. Full responsibility. That's all right. Uh, you know, I may have looked it up, but I didn't think I may have read it, but I didn't think it that important to put it in there. But it was interesting how how the Packard cars caught his attention was kind of a wild and interesting story. You see, Henry was on a work trip in New York City when he saw a pair of Packards. They were chasing down a and I don't pair of Packards. A pair of Packards. They were chasing down a horse-drawn fire wagon. And I couldn't figure out why they were chasing. I did tried to figure out why they were chasing it down, other than probably it was just an out-of-control fire wagon. And Henry was captivated. He was immediately captivated. He went out and found the only Packard available for sale in New York City and bought it. He was like, you know what? Oh, he saw the scene. He was like, I need to buy one. And he did. And uh, frankly, the, the wealthy Detroit gentleman was hooked by Packard's 
reliability per performance. He went, he was like, I'm going to buy it. And then I'm going to go visit the, the processing plant. So he was, he went to visit the Packard brothers in Warren, Ohio and talked them into taking on a group of investors. And with that, the Packard motor car company was born. And Joy's name held some oomph to it. I think. I because I'm reading it. So his not. dad was the he was the son. Okay, of I did not know where you were going with Central that. Central Railroad. I like to keep you in the dark. Oh. The Michigan Central Railroad father was involved with the Great Railroad push to Missouri and hired Abraham Lincoln to assist him with mergers. Dang. So he his dad was probably fairly well connected and money, and that was probably before Lincoln got shot. Yeah, I may maybe. <laughs> probably yeah well that's pretty cool um man it's such a fascinating interesting time period that's for sure so henry joy with all his group of investors his group of big money he created uh, he uh, encouraged the gentleman and the packard motor car company was officially born with a lot of people's money well many u.s contemporary car makers were priced from it's a you're gonna hear it's a big stark difference between normal the 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 cars you saw around and then the Packard price. Usually the contemporary car makers were priced from five hundred to fifteen hundred dollars. All right. Now Packard's prices started a little bit higher than that. I'm just kidding. They started around twenty six hundred. So that is a fair sum. That's a fair jump right there in between. Yeah, and it's kind of, I thought it was interesting that Packard kind of went straight into the luxury market. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they, were, they just were going to make luxury cars. It's, well, and, and they, they were competing with Rolls Royce. And yeah. Bugatti. And yeah. Well, they time. they really, um, there were, there was not really any other, uh, uh, the McFarlane wasn't around yet, so there was not any other uh, early American uh luxury vehicles running around yeah but soon like chad said they they clearly elevated themselves to be one of the most affluent uh of automakers and they were competing with european imports like rolls royce bentley mercedes-benz but soon american luxury competition would roll in yeah like mcfarland pierce pierce arrow and, uh, the three P's. The three P's of luxury. The three P's of American luxury. Now, let's talk a little bit about what do you think? Do you think anybody listening knows what the Packard motto was? I mean, some might. Right? I do. You do? I think. All right, guys, text in. Do you know if you know? 882 5397. Good job. 882 K E Y S. If you know already, before I say it, what the Packard motto, the famous long-lasting motto of Packard was, text it in, but I'm going to tell you now, okay? Now, Packard's notably famous and long-lasting motto came to be, all right? Where did the slogan come from? Where did the slogan, ask the man who owns one, originate? Well, rumor has it when their scales skyrocketed, which they did. So quickly that the Packard brothers, frankly, didn't have any time to print brochures. 
And a businessman from Pennsylvania called in asking for the latest literature on Packard's. And uh, I guess James Packard's secretary went in and said, Mr. Packard, do you have any, do you have a brochure? Do we have anything we can give this guy? And he replied, I'm sorry, we don't. Just ask the man who owns one. And that was a long lasting, would you, what's another word for motto? Slogan. Yes, that's what I was looking for. Do slogan. businesses really need a slogan or a motto? I think back then they they really, that was a more common. No, I don't know. What is our motto? Barely putting up with Chad. That's not a bad one. No, it's not. And it's very on point. <laughs> it's not a bad motto. <sighs> yeah. So that's stuck. I mean, they would keep that into the like, I'm pretty sure I was looking when I was looking at some of their older advertisements. I, I think that stayed on for into the 50s. It's not a, it's a, I mean, it's a good motto, but you probably want to have some brochures too. They worked on that eventually. Yeah, <laughs> they got probably, around. Uh, he's probably, they uh, got around to print it. But it was a good one. Yeah. Oh, look, Michael D. Michael D. actually texted in and said, ask the man who owns one. All right. So we knew somebody out there was listening and knew it. All right, guys, we got a little break and then we'll come back talking all about the history of Packard Motor Car Company. All right. Hello, my friends. You are back listening to the Bad Blonde Radio Show. And if you are just now tuning in, we are talking all about the history of the Packard, one of America's finest luxury automobile manufacturers. Mm -hmm. Now, it all started a little bit out of spite. You see, James Packard had purchased a Winton motor car and he just wasn't quite happy with it. And uh, Winton went ahead and told him to shove it after he had made some recommendations to them. And he said okay and built his own car and became one of one of the most the finest American automobiles ever. So here we have it. Also, I want to thank you. Jean texted in. She said Al Capone drove a, a Packard. And if I mean, like, did, I think you know, did Al Capone also have a McFarlane? I'm trying I was, to remember. Anyways, we did a whole video. We did a, a, a video. We did, uh, I did do a video and it's on the Bad Blonde YouTube about the McFarlane and I'll make one about the Packard probably later on this afternoon. But uh, the McFarlane was considered the American Rolls Royce. And pretty much if you had money, anybody was anybody was going to own one of these cars, a Packard, a McFarlane, or a Peerless. Or, Al Capone drove what he wanted. Yeah, he did. And you don't want to ask him about it either. So don't ask that, man. Before or after the syphilis? <clears throat> well, I don't, I'm not sure. Well, probably before. Because <laughs> I it slowly took his brain away from him and also his life. I heard he got funnier. Mm, yeah, yeah, maybe. More, <laughs> that could be a thing. That could be a more thing. empathetic also. Yeah. Anyways, Jean, thank you for that text message. She also said, got to check out Discovery Plus. There's a story on Packard's Detroit factory, which I, I believe just recently in September, they took it down. Uh, that's what oh, I, was yeah, I was seeing on, on the internet. Yeah. Wild. Keep some history, Detroit. Come on. They probably got still plenty going on there. 
All right, where did I end in our timeline? Huh? Oh yeah, we were talking about Packard's long-standing slogan. All right, now where did it come from? All right, huh? Well, it all started because they ran out of brochures and couldn't print them fast enough to keep up with their skyrocketing sales. So he simply said, James Packard said, just ask the man who owns one. Now, so it's also important to keep in mind in this time period, consumers were still getting used to the whole idea of a horseless carriage. You know, they were like, I don't, they they're not, they weren't early adopters back then. You know, um, there was skepticism and doubt for many concerning this new mode of transportation, right? What the early car makers needed to do was prove their reliability over the horse and carriage. This was this was newfangled contraption. They just didn't trust it. Not a lot of folks. Now, some, on the other hand, fell in love with it immediately. Now, Packard Motor Car Company set out to do just that. And they were the first car to drive across the country. The press... The public, everybody was enthralled with this hazardous adventure, and Packard became known for its performance and reliability. So that sounds like quite an adventure, a harrowing tale, because think about there were not, if you were outside of a major hub, a major city, there weren't roads. This was, there weren't roads until we didn't have the, inter, the U.S. interstate highway until 1956, that's like four, that's about 50 years past this time. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, there weren't cars. Yeah. There wasn't well, a need. There was no need until there was a need. <laughs> exactly. So, frankly, the thought of doing a, a, tran, a, a cross the country road trip back then almost sounds undoable. Yeah. I mean, the automobile has really transformed oh, everything. Uh, our lives, everything, all oh, aspects of our lives. Without a doubt. The ability to transport foods, goods, all that stuff, but even yeah. travel. I mean, what was it? What was that road that everybody would take to go west? Lincoln Highway? No, before. I mean, it was just a horse and carriage. Oregon Trail? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, imagine that. I mean, yeah. how, how long does it take to go from New York to... Oregon. Oh, Oregon. Well, some people just didn't even make it. If you sure. made it. So uh, another thing to think about, as Chad had pointed out, this did truly transform a lot of folks' lives. Back then, before uh, the automobile, most folks lived and died within 20 miles of where they were born. You know? Like, there was not travel. There was not a significant amount of travel then. So interesting side note... Later in his life, Henry Joy, you know, the guy that got that fell in love with Packards and got a group of investors on, he would take part in the creation of the first transatlantic highway, the Lincoln Highway, which is like full circle because didn't his dad hire on Abraham Lincoln? Yeah, and I think that's why he named it after him. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. He believed in the need of a reliable road across the USA, and he invested in it heavily. Now, it didn't also hurt, like, that more roads were mean more cars would probably be sold. It went hand in hand. Henry Joy said of this accomplishment that he considered it, 
He considered the Lincoln Highway to be the greatest thing he ever did. That's pretty cool, man. So we actually, Chad, do you remember when we covered the the history and the birth of the U.S. Interstate Highway? Super interesting. It is. Yeah. Well, yeah, we could, I mean, honestly, we could redo that show, talk all about it again. Uh, essentially, if I... Dwight Eisenhower was one of the early that he participated in a drill where they had to get a car from country from um, one coast to the other. And this is also to prove, you know, uh, if we were going to properly protect the United States, we needed better transportation as well. And he was the guy that really he ended up heading it. Super fascinating. It's a great show. Anyways, we'll get back on to Packard. All right. Now, something to ponder, like we already said a little bit of, is just how the car truly changed the world and humans human ability to travel and move away from their place of birth. Interesting side note, side note. I know, side note. No, no, side I have note. a side note. So. Oh, you do? Pray yeah. do tell. Have you ever looked at Russia from a satellite, their road system? No, I haven't. Or I've at least I've not. I mean, I've looked at Russia, but I've not really paid attention to the road system. Very interesting. There's like, is there are are there are no rules? There are no roads. Oh shit! I mean, hardly any. Yeah. There's nothing east like Siberia area of Russia. Aiden's looking at me. I didn't say the whole word. All right, it's fine on the radio. Uh, but I mean, there's some areas around Moscow and stuff, but yeah. when you go out, like you look at China, you look at United States, Europe and stuff, then you go to Russia. And I mean, it's, there's barely any roads. Well, that's embarrassing for them. Yeah. Um, they're a large spread out country, but still, I guess they're, the people are uh, just in certain areas. Then maybe that's better for Russia. They don't really want, when folks get around and move around, also their minds expand a bit too. Uh, Could be. It's just a very stark difference and very kind of interesting. Yeah. I'm, well, once I'm done with the show, I'm going to go check that out. Mm-hmm. Please do. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now, let's talk a little bit about the introduction of the Model L. This is when Packard would introduce its distinctive grill. That would be kind of the signature grill of Packard's to follow. So we just did the Etzel. We just covered the Etzel on the last show. And I feel like I said grill a million times on that last show. And that sentence was packed full of grills. And it's true. If you look at that, that, the grill of the Model L and then the grill of Packard's to follow until probably like it stopped at maybe like 1930s, 1940s. It was very similar. Now let's talk about how just about every early Packard was named. All right. Now, with every model's horsepower, so be its name. The Model 24, well, 24 horsepower and so on. The Packard 24 models were marketed as the mile a minute car because it could reach 60 miles per hour within a minute. Which like this day and age, nobody really bats an eye about. But that was kind of a big deal. Speed of light back then. (laughs) That's pretty fast. Yeah. I mean, we're still limited to our speed, so. Yeah. We're only like, what, 15 miles an hour technically in most areas? Over 60 that we can go? Oh, uh, yeah. On a highway? 
true. I mean, I go a little faster sometimes. Naturally, well, we're in Texas, so uh, what I have what what I have noticed, I think, oh God, Pennsylvania's speed limits were the worst. You go to Arizona, they're like eighty-five. Yeah. yeah, nice. I think it was fifty-five in PA. I just remember any time I was working there, they had terrible. They had a, they had. Oh goodness gracious! I just like really. <laughs> oh my god. I just pinched There's my a finger. Snake, a snake oh, in the studio. I just pinched my finger in between this fancy chair for Bob Jones in my hand. Oh my goodness, that hurt. Uh, anyways, PA had really different weird liquor laws. Like you couldn't buy certain amounts of booze. And they also had a very low speed limit. So, I mean, I like Pennsylvania for a lot of other things, but I thought all that was crud. Anyways, we can get back to the Packard. Now, Packard would be the first car manufacturer to produce a thousand cars within a year, which was a pretty remarkable achievement for the time. Which is funny because I wonder how many Toyota Camrys are getting popped out of Toyota a year these days. I would guess hundreds of thousands. One million bajillion. Now, fun fact, uh, in its very early years, the Packard... Packard Motor Car Company was the first car maker to use a steering wheel. They switched from a tiller to a wheel and made history. And I was watching a YouTube video of a guy driving with a tiller and I was like, it doesn't it doesn't seem that unpleasant to use a tiller, but it is just a much better driving experience to use a wheel. And we'll fast forward to the Packard Twin 6, the first 12-cylinder engine. Describe a tiller. A tiller, well, it kind of looked like what he was driving the pa- in the, the first Packard that ha- that was using a tiller. Um, it basically looked like the end of a shovel with the handle, you know, where it has a handle at the end of a shovel. Mm-hmm. And that's what it looked like. And you, you know, steered it that way. So you're really just holding on to it with one hand. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm thinking mm-hmm. steering wheel was a good, good yeah. thought. Yeah. I mean, it's still around. So here we have it. So with the Packard Twin 6, it was the first 12-cylinder engine for a production vehicle, which was essentially two six-cylinder motors set on one crankshaft. And it revolutionized the automotive arena. Such an engine had never been built before. And the Twin Six served as the basis for the Liberty aircraft engine in World War One. That's pretty cool. And um, how it's funny how everything's really interconnected. So Lincoln Motor Car Company, Henry Leland and his son, how that all began was they had won a contract to create Liberty aircraft engines. And then after that, they switched to cars. So voila, how about that? In 1928, Packard built one of the first, uh, this thing was cool. I watched a bunch of YouTube videos, watching them just roll around this place. They built the first automotive proving ground, spending over a million dollars, fixing, making their 340 acres absolutely perfect with all the best technology for the time to make sure them Packards drove right. Now, the track had such a perfect bank that it was said you could take your hands off the wheel and drive into the curve at full throttle. Rawr. <laughs> Honestly, they it was pretty cool. They had Packers just like climbing hills, like doing all this crazy stuff. <gasps> OK, 
Okay, Aiden, apparently there's a break. Thank you for letting me know. Guys, we're going to take a little break, and then we're going to come back talking all about the history of Packard. Oh my god, I just wish the people that are listening could see Aiden do air drums. Dope every time, man. You got some talent, sir! Yeah. Alright guys, if you are just down tuning in, we've been talking all about the history of Packard. One of America's finest luxury car makers. Mm-hmm. And where we, were, where we ended before the break was talking about their rad rad proving grounds they spent over a million dollars it was 340 acres and full of the best technology and i mean i guess the best technology you can have at 1928 <laughs> the track had such a perfect bank that you could take your hands off and drive full throttle into the curve and on, this track became known as the world's fastest speedway dun, dun, dun. and it wasn't just a track they had every type of potential driving condition available to test their Packards. And I watched those videos for a while. They're like hot, like going full throttle up hills, doing all types of craziness. It was pretty cool. Driving through rivers, banks, streams. It was neat. The proving grounds. Yes, the Packard proving grounds. If you look through uh, a lot of the European manufacturers, I guess maybe they were a little more uh, hard up on space. Uh-huh. So, like, I think Fiat and some others would have their their road tracks on top of their roofs. <laughs> the car would have an oval track on top of the manufacturing roof. That's cool. Have you seen those pictures of it? I haven't. No, you have to go look. I'm going to. I'm definitely. Neat. That looks cool. That sounds cool. Now, Packard was the height. I, I mean, I just said... I just mentioned 1928, so I think we all know where I'm going with this. Packard was the height of luxury auto, of the luxury automobile game. They had made $25 million in profit, and the future looked very bright. That's a lot of money back then, okay? But we all know what would happen in October of 1929. The stock market would crash, and demand for luxury automobiles and goods took a major downturn downturn it was the start of the great depression but packard took an interesting uh approach <laughs> they didn't they didn't do what everybody thought they were going to do to capture wary buyers attention and to survive the great depression packard actually hit the gas with bigger motor car or bigger motors and even more eye-catching custom bodies custom bodies designed by such famous companies as dietrich and lebaron and these were considered, the Packards born out of the Great Depression were considered some of the most beautiful Packards of all time. I like that. They're like, yeah, you know what? No, let's, let's go bigger and better. Yeah, I don't know if that's the... It's the Costanza principle. Go against your instincts. Is that George Costanza? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not familiar with that. It's a thing. It's a thing. While Packard's pedal to the metal strategy with looks and price, it did work for a time. But it, and they kind of, I think they, nobody thought that the depression was going to last as long as it did, as it did. It became clear that the Great Depression would endure longer than anticipated. And thus, thus, they introduced the more affordable 120. It was an immediate hit. 
and it set an all-time sales record for Packard. Are we blowing up? I keep hearing babings, babings. Are we blowing up on the text line? All right. It looks like it. Thank you, Michael, for texting in. And then also we got George D saying, great show as always. Have a great and sunny weekend. Thank you, George D. I'm going to have a great and sunny weekend. That's for sure. Happy tea day, everybody. Happy holidays. All right. Let's get back to the Great Depression. <laughs> Where was I? Okay. So they introduced the 120 and it set an all-time sales record for Packard. Mm-hmm. So they 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 kind of, they, they 180 their initial strategy to get through the Great Depression with going big. And then they went with the 120, which was a, a lot more price-wise accommodating for the times. Now, now we fast forward to the Packard Clipper. Introduced in 1941, developed by automotive designer and playboy Dutch Darren, one of the most prolific stylists. And if you haven't already guessed, there's, I mean, like when I first re- was what reading- What is a playboy? A playboy? Well, so <laughs> apparently he really liked ladies and he liked to play rugby and he liked to design cars. That makes you a playboy? Yeah, but- the ladies part, yeah. Uh, well, I get the ladies, but it's just funny. He has the name of one. Dutch, Dutch Darren. Darren. Well, so he's, he's either a playboy or a porno star. Yeah. Well, Maybe. those there you are. Those go. Those good. <laughs> he has a good name. It's a good name. It's his for being a playboy. And well, his last name got attached on to one of the cooler. I, I, I've always liked this this car. It's sports car, the Kaiser Darren. So kind of, and he obviously he designed the Kaiser Darren. If you buy your computer or your phone google kaiser darren and uh cool cool funky car it actually had one of the most notable things on it or design features was it has sliding doors kind of like a pocket door it it is a pocket door really when you think about it they always every time i've seen a kaiser darren out in the wild and by the wild i mean at a car show or not a rm sotheby's auction they've always been like a, a skittles color so or an easter egg color they're pretty cool cars. Anyways, now one year later, after they put out the Clipper, the Packard Clipper, one year later, the U.S. government would sanction all automobile production to stop. And every car maker had to jump on and support the World War II effort, which makes sense. Nobody wanted them Nazis around. Now, fun fact, they did sell. I thought this is funny. I was kind of watching a video of this older collector and him talking about his Clipper. He had, a, he had an army Clipper. Now, Packard did sell a few leftover clippers to the army, which naturally became a favorite of the generals. Obviously, it's a Packard luxury. In total, 387 clippers were sold to the army. But the thing is, is they all had identical door keys. You can imagine that that was not a great thing. And so uh, the guy was telling the guy, the owner of one of these military clippers was saying how like you're the, the, the technique at the time was to break a key into the driver's side door lock, lock all the other ones and then have a um, like a padlock on the outside of your back bay- door so that you could actually when you came back, your, your car was still there. But wouldn't you get in trouble if you stole somebody's a general's car? I don't know. Apparently it was a thing. Or maybe they were all painted the same color, so you didn't know whose car it was. Oh, they all were. Yeah, it was all military green. they were numbered. And nothing shiny. Now, Packard's reputation was worldwide. And at one point, Stalin asked 
may be begged President Roosevelt to give Russia the tooling for the older style Packards. Even, also even get this, Rolls-Royce, acclaimed Rolls-Royce, reached out asking Packard to produce a version of their Merlin aviation engine. Rolls-Royce, you see, Rolls-Royce couldn't keep up with demand and needed help with production. Packard didn't disappoint and produced over 55,000 Merlin engines. I feel a sneeze coming on. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but my nose is very ready to sneeze. That no. shows their uh, their quality level. Oh, Rolls for sure. Rolls-Royce is, is asking you to make engines for them. Uh, absolutely agree with you on that one. Yeah. Where were the so okay. finally, by the end of the war, car makers could go back to manufacturing cars. And people wanted to buy new cars. Uh, they did. Well, think about it. There had been, so 1942 to 1945 is when the government said no go to, um, to car makers. That, that's the, those were the years they weren't allowed to produce any cars. So people were like, we want new cars. And like many other car makers at the time, they had to produce and sell whatever they had been like right after World War II. Are we already at the end of the show? Aiden, I'm not even done. This always happens. Sorry, garden guy. Uh, We're going long. Yeah, no more garden guy next. All right, guys, thanks for listening to the Bad Blonde Radio Show. We'll have a full video of what we didn't cover on the Bad Blonde YouTube if you want to check it out. All right, have a great weekend.